Living Adventurously is brought to you in partnership with Kamut, the route planning and navigation app that helps you make the most of your outdoor adventures. Whether you're cycling, hiking, running or bikepacking, Kamut's easy-to-use technology will get you out the door and exploring more of the great outdoors. You can see where I've been exploring by checking out the highlights of my journey on Kamut. Just follow the link in the show notes. My name is Alistair Humphreys. I set out on a bicycle journey around Yorkshire to speak to interesting, ordinary people who, in very different ways, are making an effort to live adventurously. I wanted to talk about what they do, about the barriers they've faced along the way, and to seek their perspective on some of the big questions that all of us encounter in our lives. Welcome to Living Adventurously. <laughs> I've written here, needs intro music. Um, okay, here we go. Um... <laughs> Have a loop. I rode along a peaceful, leafy green canal towpath between Leeds and Bradford, a perhaps surprising oasis in this post-industrial heartland, saw a couple of kingfishers darting along the canal. Bradford is a classic northern mill town with factory chimneys, rows of terrace houses running up the hills, grand old buildings, and more than a few signs of significant economic hardship. I met Annie at the Bread and Roses Cafe to hear about her social enterprise working to help people engage with nature as part of a campaign to get people feeling better in mind and body. Uh, have you been on a podcast before? No. Oh, yes. <laughs> this is my mission, is to talk to as many people who are interesting but haven't been on a podcast as possible. Well, thank you for saying I'm interesting. Well, we'll fu- that, the, Kate, the jury's still out on that. <laughs> we'll wait and see. Yeah, we'll wait and see if both our readers think you're interesting by the end. Um, so the reason that I was interested in uh, meeting you is to talk about the idea of getting more out of life by getting outside more. So what have you been doing to try and uh, make that happen for people? So I think what we have done most of all is set up a social enterprise that does just that uh, called Get Out More. And the idea of Get Out More is to help people connect with nature to feel better in mind and body. So that's what we do. We run forest schools and outdoor projects and woodland well-being projects with people of all ages across Bradford and wider West Yorkshire. And uh, how long have you been going? We've been going seven years. Are you growing? We are growing, yeah. We're just today um, taking on another contract with Natural England, which will mean hundreds more kids are going to be coming outdoors with us, uh, particularly in kind of urban areas, inner city, Bradford and some of the housing estates around Keithley and West Yorkshire. Okay, that's interesting you say that because I was going to ask with my cynical hat on, is this not just a thing of getting more middle-class people who already like Bear grills to go (laughs) uh, camping anyway? No, though middle-class people are very welcome on our projects, but we are really keen to reach the people who perhaps have little experience or no experience or who have a background where getting outdoors isn't the norm. Um, I mean, who I are was, those people in this are, neck of the woods? Okay, so we're working with um, nurseries and schools and community groups, 
um, in the middle of Bradford. So um, people on low incomes, we work with refugees and asylum seekers, unemployed people, um, people who are um, uh, suffering from illness or maybe at risk of suffering from things like mental health issues. So really trying to reach out to the what they call hard to reach people. Yeah, what, what, um, this is something I've always felt I've done really badly in my own adventuring life is reaching out beyond just preaching to the converted. So what, what barriers do you face in reaching out to people who have no inclination that going outdoors could be a good thing? We face a lot of barriers, and I think the biggest one is people's fears. It's not the actual, it's not the actual weather. It's not you know, the actual things that might be in the woods that are scary or dangerous. It's the thought that they might be there, and the thought that um, they might get too cold or too wet, or they might encounter things that they've never encountered before, and they won't know what to do. Um, so that's the biggest thing that we're trying to do, is we're trying to overcome those perceptions and fears, and we taking people out to the green spaces on their doorstep. I mean, it's lovely to take groups up to the Dales and to the seaside and these beautiful places, but if you can only do that once a year because there's a coach trip being organised, then you're not going to make it part of your life. We make it part of people's lives by using the, the corner of the park and that little bit of grass at the end of the estate and just building up confidence and building up um, a willingness to, to explore these spaces. Since you started doing all this this um, work have you noticed um, a wildness closer to towns yeah I mean <laughs> we, we sometimes have to get really creative with the spaces that we're using I mean we're working in Bradford and the perception would be I guess for people that don't know the the district is that it's it's all built up it's all industrialized but actually there's loads of little bits of wildness bits of woods that are on a steep hill and so nobody built on them or bits that got neglected and forgotten um that have become beautiful spaces for nature so yeah we're we're seeking out those little pockets of wildness and they are there so we're we're sitting on a rooftop now overlooking Bradford and one thing that I've noticed in my years of trying to do micro adventures and local adventures is the way that I look at things has changed it's a bit like a, a photo negative so 10 years ago I'd have probably looked out here and seen mills and housing estates and blocks of flats all these things I can see from where I am but now the negative image of that so negative as in a photography thing is there's as you say there's trees and there's hills and there's horizons and there's possibilities to explore um, and it just takes a bit of a different way of looking, doesn't it? Absolutely, yeah. And I think it is about seeking out that, that wild space because it's, it's out there, but it's also inside us. You know, we have that connection with nature. That's, that's how we're built. So we, are, we are part of nature and we, we are drawn to it if we can find the key. Yeah, I think, um, well, certainly every single person who's listening to this, both people who are listening to this, <laughs> uh, unless they've... Uh, got here by mistake will know of the the benefits to physical health and mental health of being in the outdoors and they will know about the difficulties of trying to get kids off screens and all this stuff that we've all heard this a thousand times and it's all true um but one thing that i found interesting reading about you that i think isn't so commonly talked about is the importance of uh, community so using using the outdoors as a way to grow community have you noticed have you noticed that so people living in urban areas often don't know anyone do they yeah absolutely and i think 
um, green spaces are a, a neutral space <coughs> excuse me, for people to come together and to enjoy connecting with nature but also with each other and that feeling of well-being that you might get from the activities that you might do whether it's I don't know foraging or campfire cooking or, or playing extends to the people that you're with and we can create a community around it and when we are connecting to our green spaces we're connecting with the community that we're living in too. Um, you've been growing quite well, I don't know if you've been growing fast, but you've grown quite a lot, certainly, mm. haven't you, in seven years. You just, just today, you've got some, some more funding. What are the biggest difficulties you've found from going from when it was just you starting this to now a, a proper grown-up thing? What, what are the big difficulties you've faced? Oh, with all these things, isn't it? The more, the more you do, the more you're, it's necessary to to keep things going and to, to manage an office and, and, and a staff team and and the filling paperwork paperwork so I started this business because I wanted to get out more and the success of that means I get out less okay. <laughs> so that's one of the challenges yeah um but in terms of um the the actual getting people outdoors um are there things you've learned from mistakes so ways that you tried to get people outdoors that you thought would work that perhaps didn't resonate or just failed approaches that you've learned from I think it's it's about not underestimating where people are to begin with. It, we always have to start with where they're from, you know, where they're at, their previous experiences or their culture and their expectations of things. So we hear some some funny comments about, you know, looking out for wolves and bears and really? stuff like that. And um, common thing that we hear a lot is, oh, we can't go outside because it's raining. And, you know, if you don't have any wellies in an outdoor coat, then it can be unpleasant so sometimes it's just really the basics just kind of overcoming people's fears and perceptions and making sure that they're they're kitted out and and ready to come outside um, because once you're ready to come outside and, and then you can start to enjoy it but yeah um we have some surprising attitudes to the outdoors in this country which um I didn't know about because I grew up in the Yorkshire Dales, but um, it's a it's a different world in some of our cities. Yeah, I think that's a, um, something I've noticed myself is things that I take for granted, things that for me are no big deal at all, and it's important to try and see things through different prisms, isn't it? Yeah. Um, do, do you think do you do you try to aspire towards setting high expectations of these? people you take out to make them do great things that surprise them or do you try and just go for low expectations but just to get them out there and beginning yeah I mean I I, I cringe a little bit when people think that we're going to be doing survival type activities you know we're going to we're going to have to build a shelter and sleep in it overnight because that's that's going to be really off-putting our primary focus is really that people will enjoy themselves and they'll feel connected and they'll feel comfortable so um, we like to start with things that are that are doable you know forest schools is all about small achievable tasks and building up from there can uh, can you explain forest school for me? because i i love forest schools so forest school is a program of outdoor play and learning in a woodland environment that's the definition i think um but it's it's more than that it's a it's a program of um, going out into the woods over regular, uh, regular, regular occasions over a long period of time, um, very child-led, children leading their own learning, 
learning to manage risk, um, learning new skills and building up confidence and resilience over time. Um, and what, what ages does that go with? All ages. <laughs> All ages. Does it include yeah. adults? It includes adults, oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. It's an approach rather than a, a, you know, it's not an institution, it's not a brand, it's not a, it's not a building, it's, 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 it a it's an approach. No, no. I mean, people try to shoehorn the curriculum into it, and you can if you want, but it's really about developing the independence and creativity and social skills that, that kids may take back into school or adults take back into their lives. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a philosophy, I think. Okay, oh, very <laughs> grand. <laughs> um, can you tell me a bit then about the, the, the process you went through in your head of deciding to go down this, the life path that you've gone on in terms of the risks you've taken for that? Yeah, I mean, I, the job I had before was by no means a corporate job. Um, I worked in community arts. Um, I think all of my life, all of my career anyway, has been about being driven by values it's really important to to feel like um, that what drives me is the things I believe in and making a difference and uh, working in communities and um, connecting with nature were always part of my life. But I had a kind of epiphany when I realised that in my last job I was just sitting inside making things happen elsewhere and I decided I needed to get out more. So that was literally... <laughs> It, that's where it started. That's where Get Out More came from. Oh, right, okay. And, um, yeah, what was the question? Uh, I'm not sure, but it was a good answer. <laughs> but so, but how, yeah. how did you go from that process of being in the office, not being outside, thinking you wanted to get out more, to actually doing it? Okay, yeah, so, I mean, it was a, a, that wasn't a, the question a chance, really. Um, Bradford Council, at the time, were investing in Bradford, uh, sorry, in Forest Schools training, uh, so I got a chance to do the forest schools qualification, uh, and that was that was my life raft. That you know that that got inflated, and I jumped on it and set up the business before I'd even qualified. Um, and just been lucky, really, that that it's the right thing at the right time in the right place. You know, we're in a we're in a, a district where there are a lot of issues, there are a lot of health problems, a lot of social issues. But there are a lot of green spaces and we've been able to put those things together and try and make something happen around it. Yeah, it seems, I mean, well, it is an obvious and a simple solution, but not an easy one of, hey, here's a bunch of people who are unhealthy, unfit, unhappy, costing the NHS and service yeah. providers an absolute fortune. Look, <coughs> over there's a green hill. Hill, yeah. meet people. And Here we all go. lived happily ever after. Yeah, nature does the rest. Simple but not easy. Yeah, and I do, I do think we, we overinflate how difficult things need to be sometimes. You know, um, we, when we take kids out to the woods or into the park, we, we're not scratching our heads for things to do. This is a, an innate skill that children have. Put them in an environment where there are sticks to move and, you know, sand to pile up and... and uh, leaves to arrange and and that's what they'll do they'll they'll climb trees they'll they'll move differently they'll run around they'll exercise it's not it's not football camp you know we're not telling them how to do this they know how to do it we're just making that happen yeah i think it's brilliant so uh as i started to say and then completely forgot um i'm looking at the idea of home and living adventurously and you fit both those camps well and so i've got a bunch of questions okay that i'm trying to answer in my life. Okay. And I thought you'd be a good person to uh, ask them. It's quite windy. 
So I'm just going to shuffle the pack. You pick a card. You don't have to answer it if you don't want to. Okay. I'm going to go for this Give me your wisdom. (laughs) This is a good question for me. What are you doing at times that you feel you are being a good parent, partner, spouse, sibling, friend? Okay. Well, I think I'll answer that from the parent point of view. Um, I think I'm being a good parent when I'm giving my children and other people's children the freedom that I had as a child. And I think that's quite, it's not rare, but it's, it's certainly diminishing. Um, that idea that you can go off for the day and uh, without adults telling you what to do, you can make your own adventure. You can make your own stories happen. And as a parent, that means sort of facilitating, but being quite hands-off a lot of the time. And my kids are 13 and 16 now, and they are actually helping out at one of our forest schools today. Uh, I've had a text to say that they're doing a great job. So I must be doing something right if I can raise two kids that have got the confidence and the resilience and self-reliance to do that. So, yeah, giving them the freedom that I had as a kid, I think. Okay, I think that's great, yeah. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I'm certainly conscious now of the freedom I had as a kid growing up in a little village in the Yorkshire Dales to just disappear and do dangerous stuff and uh, suffer the consequences of my actions. And I think what's interesting is when I first started doing this, the the parents had had that childhood, but their children don't. And over the last few years, I'm now meeting parents who didn't have a childhood like that. So we're getting another generation removed from that free-range childhood. Gosh, it's a bit depressing, isn't it? Right, another card. Okay, I'll just take the top one. <clears throat> Can you share an example of trying to find a balance between contentment and, self con- and self-improvement? Okay, I don't really go for self-improvement. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I think... I. Uh, oh, no, I... What about ambition? Have you you been ambitious? I'm ambitious to get out more. I'm ambitious that it makes a difference and the bigger it gets, the more people we can make a difference to. Um, But I'm very aware that if I'm not happy, if I'm not doing the things that make me happy, if I don't have time to, you know, follow my own interests and, and spend time alone in nature without loads of people around me that I'm making sure they're okay, then I won't do a good job either. So... Uh, yeah, I'm, so you do I'm not exactly hedonistic, yeah. but, I, <laughs> but I, I, I think contentment is possibly more important than self-improvement. Okay, so you, do, you have a balancing point between those, but it's skewed very much towards the focus on the contentment and yeah. the well-being and the rest will look after itself. Yeah, yeah. Self-improvement is not something I've thought about, to be honest, Alistair. Okay, which <laughs> yeah. is interesting because I'd say from briefly knowing you, you seem to have, you seem to be in a good place. Yeah. But through different yeah. things. And yeah. yeah. Okay. That's good. <laughs> right, we'll do a couple more. Okay. Uh, that was a hard one. Have you got any easy ones? You've got an easy one, do you? Yeah, I'm going for that one. Why do you not act when you know what to do? Explain this question. Okay, so a lot of times, me and I think a lot of people, in their heads... So I'm blaming other people now. In my head, in our (laughs) heads, we think, right, this is what I should do in my life, blah, blah, blah. This is what I should do, and I should do it because it'll make me happy, healthy, blah, blah, blah. This is what I should do. Uh, Okay. But then 
I don't. Then we don't. Do you ever, does that ever happen to you or do you just think, I should do this and then do it? No, I wish I could just do it so, okay. a lot of the time. So um, what's stopping you? Is it inside your head that stops you? Or? Yeah, there's a large part of me that is just lacks willpower, I think. Okay. But willpower, it comes and goes, doesn't it? I, I, I kind of do believe in sometimes you just have to go with the right job at the right time. So if I don't feel like tackling the boring paperwork or something then I'm not going to do a good job of it so I need to go and do something else um I used to be terrible at exercise and not you know not looking after myself that way but I have now kind of forced myself to do it to do more exercise regularly and I'm just on the cusp of starting to enjoy that for the first time in my life actually going yeah I would like to go for a run I would like to go for a swim um you have to, you have so to you repeat have to, it a lot of times yeah. before you get there. You have to make it enjoyable. You have to make it fun. Yeah. Which is why I was talking to you earlier about podcasts and how listening to podcasts whilst you're exercising is a great motivation to keep you, going. You were telling me about underwater headphones. Now, yeah. one, of the, one of the questions in here is about a something you've bought that's not massively expensive that has had a positive impact in your life. So underwater let's headphones. Let's pretend I've yeah. asked you that question. Yeah, so my not, underwater MP3 player, which um, you could put masses of tracks on but I choose to go for podcasts has has made the difference to my exercise routine so I put on a Desert Island Discs or a episode of some podcast and go I'll swim till it's finished and yeah that that's kept me going I th- I'm intrigued do you have any idea of the brand of it or, or oh, I don't know no? it's, okay. come, it's come from I, yeah. China I think I have okay. no idea <laughs> I love yeah. the idea of swimming underwater yeah. and stuff. but not expensive not just counting lengths yeah okay we'll do a couple more okay let's go for this one what are you scared of? Oh, that's a good one. So I'd say on a very um, literal basis, the dark. <laughs> um, but perhaps on a more longer term kind of life basis of not achieving what I could achieve, not making the difference that I can see could be there. You know, everything that I want get out more to do is about nature and communities growing healthier together if I work hard at this I can achieve that but if I don't will I have failed I suppose scared of failure yeah it's a yeah. lot of work to be done there's a lot of work to be done and it never stops but do you notice progress yeah absolutely yeah I mean some of the, the photographs and the feedback we get and some of the some of the changes that we see in the people that we work with, you know, I had a, I was talking to a parent the other day. Um, she was a, a Pakistani parent and she was talking about how she used to, she had two kids, they were quite young, and she used to spend her days cooking and cleaning and the kids getting under her feet. Um, but then she, she encountered forest schools and she, she started going with them and enjoying being outside. And she said now she just changes the way she's with her kids completely. So she takes them outside every day. They play in the park, they go to the woods. And then when they come back, they're tired. And that's when she gets on with her cooking and her um, cleaning and things like that. And she said, it's made the whole family happier. They're just really bonding and, and having a beautiful time together. So that kind of thing. Oh, well, that, we are making a difference. You, know? you are making a difference. I think that sounds like a perfect place to end so thank you uh, thank you for your time thank you for all the good work you're doing it's been a real pleasure chatting with you thank you thank you (laughs) 
I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Living Adventurously. There's show notes from every episode on my website, alistairhumphreys.com slash podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please take a screenshot of your phone and pop it up on social media or leave a review with your podcast provider. It makes a massive difference. Thank you very much. I teamed up with Kamut to make this podcast happen. In case you missed it, Kamut is an outdoor planning and navigation app that helps you explore more of the great outdoors. One of the many ways Kamut helps you have better adventures is through their inspiring collections. Are you exploring a new area and not sure where to begin? Type in where you want to go and local collections will suggest a number of cycling or hiking tours based on the most scenic routes. It's a great way to get started exploring in a new place, particularly if you don't know where to begin. Wherever you find yourself, your very own outdoor experiences are waiting for you. Go explore more with Kamut. Head to kamut.com slash chi and use the voucher code ADVENTUROUS to claim your free region bundle.